Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead at your home? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead in your children? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your spouse? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your job? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your church? For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus is not dead. Jesus is not dead. Uh, I have a bit of a technical background. Uh, Served as an audio-visual field service engineer before I became a full-time pastor. Still keep my skills a little sharp here and there. Go to a training here and there. Uh, I know a little bit about IT. Can can fix or build a computer here and there. I know just enough to be dangerous. Um, I've also put together a website or five. Um, and, And something that I've learned about websites is that it's uh, better, as they say, to stay ready than to get ready. And so when you go to visit a www.whatever.com.org.net, there are parts of the site that you can see, and there are other parts that have been built, but you can't see it. Just in case somebody needs to make a news announcement on a CNN or a Fox News or something like that. They have pages already ready to go. And one of the types of pages that they have already ready to go are death announcements. In the news world, they want to be quick first to report the breaking news. You heard it here first. And so because of that, In the effort to pre-prepare pages and and, uh, be fast with the news, sometimes some people's deaths have been improperly reported. Throughout history, uh, people's deaths have been reported incorrectly. Some way back that have already gone on to glory, some just recently. Uh, but are not limited to some people being reported dead before they actually die. Uh, Pope John Paul II, P.T. Barnum, Mark Twain, uh, the rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, Scott Bale, Barbara Bush, George H.W. Bush, Fidel Castro, Jackie Chan, Chevy Chase, Hillary Clinton, Sean Connery, Celine Dion, Kirk Douglas, Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth II, Nora Ephraim, 
uh, Gerald Ford, Zaza Gabor, Roger Goodell, Hugh Hefner, Christopher Hitchens, Bob Hope, Michael Jordan. That was probably somebody that was a hater. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Nelson Mandela, Joe Montana, Al Pacino, Britney Spears, the Sylvester Stallone, Abe Vigoda, Betty White, and many, many more have all been reported to have transitioned before they did. Now, some of these people have actually transitioned, but the point is that there was a time when they were amongst the living. Somebody said they had passed away before they had actually done that. And that's what I thought about when I looked at this passage. Jesus is not dead. Uh, the rumors of his demise have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, the Gospels are silent about what takes place between uh, uh, the burial of body, the burial of the body of Jesus in the late afternoon on Good Friday, and the visit to the uh, of the women to the tomb early Sunday morning. There's silence. It's silence. And in this silence that the ancient celebration of the Easter vigil fits. Uh, we wait with the followers of Jesus, remembering how the women among them planned to go to the tomb and give Jesus' body a proper cleansing and anointing, uh, some suitable wrapping and an appropriate burial as soon as the Sabbath ended. Because he was crucified on a Friday and Sabbath, Saturday, there's not supposed to be any work done during that time and the silence is broken when we hear from the gospel according to Luke of the women's walk to the place where Jesus was laid and we imagine them their shadows fitting in the landscape of the early morning and when we arrive to see the tomb it's no use pretending at this point that we are surprised when we read the story we already know what they're going to see when they enter we already know what they're going to see when they go to that borrowed tomb. We already know what's supposed to happen, but imagine the women going about their daily work. They saw him crucified. They didn't get a chance to properly prepare the body, so they are on their way to finish what they need to have done. And because of our familiarity, uh, we missed some unique details. Uh, there are some differences when we look at the gospel. One says two men and one says one. Uh, Luke, they have some kind of, uh, they're, they're surely some kind of otherworldly messengers. Even more significant is the response. In Mark's gospel, the women are amazed. In Matthew, it's the guards who are fearful. And Luke tells us that the women are afraid and bow their faces low to the ground. Sometimes there are some things to be fearful of. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Common sense tells us and biology tells us that when you're dead, you're dead. You certainly don't expect to go to a tomb to prepare a gravesite and not find the body there. Moreover, you don't expect to find the stone rolled away and some angels talking to you about what happened. 
I'm going to take a little bit of a pastoral pause right now and cover a couple things that, I, that, that stick with me when I read the Gospels. Uh, the first one. The text says that the women went to the tomb. What is the gospel? That Jesus uh, lived, was God in the flesh and came and, and lived a life we couldn't live and, and died a death that we couldn't die and rose again on the third day. That's the gospel, right? That he was born of a virgin. We said it this morning. Born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried the third day. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. That's, in a nutshell, what we believe if we call ourselves Christians. Uh, born of a virgin. Who was there for that? Woman. Crucified, dead, and buried. Who was there for that? Mm, it's awful quiet in here. A woman. The disciples ran away. Peter denied him three times before the cock crowed. They ran. They eventually came back, but they ran. And who was there first to find out that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty? A woman. If women are there for the gospel story, and in your Bible, clearly it says that they went and told the disciples what happened. So that's actually your first Easter sermon right there. Why can't they preach? I'm just asking. I had a bit of a bit of writer block just just to just to uh, show you how the sausage is made. I had a bit of writer's block this week, and so I'm gonna just let you know what was on the mind. Clearly, we have the first sermon, the Easter sermon, the the early 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 one Sunday morning, being told by a woman. But common sense tells us that when you're dead, you're dead. Why would we sit around and believe that? Better yet, why would somebody lie about that? Because uh, the text says that when they put the stone on the tomb, they put the Roman seal on the tomb. And the way the rules worked back then is if anybody broke the Roman seal, uh, they got broken. So you would literally be putting your life in danger if we were just to go with this narrative that somebody broke the seal, snuck into the tomb, took the body out, and then started telling everybody, oh, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. You risking your own life. And it wasn't nice being a Christian. They didn't get no nice jobs and nice churches and, 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 and be in these nice buildings. They got killed for this. They had to fight lions. They had to get dipped in boiling oil. They got crucified upside down. They were, they were beaten and they would be having church service at somebody's house and somebody would kick the door down and kill them. Why lie about that? That's a whole lot to go through 
for a lie. Christianity wasn't even legal for another 300 years after what we read. So they obviously wasn't doing it for fame. This defies all common sense, but yet over 2,000 years later, we are still here saying that he rose from the dead. Christ Jesus lives in me. And so here we have in the gospel according to Luke, the, the anointing of the tomb. Sunday women, these women carrying spices to the tomb for the anointing of Jesus' body. They went with the spices because they thought that Jesus was still dead. They were still holding on to their own interpretation of what had happened. And they arrive at the tomb and they find that this stone has been rolled away and they find an empty tomb that lets them know that Jesus is not there. And so we have this anointing of the tomb. We, we, we spend this time when tragedy happens trying to make sense of everything. We want to go back to the way it was. We want to try to keep some sense of normalcy. This person that they had followed around for over three years, watching him heal the sick, raise the dead, open blinded eyes, set the captives free, watched him walk on water, watched him feed thousands of people with two fish and five loaves of bread. They, they said that he was the Messiah. And the Messiah got, got crucified like a common criminal. We wear the cross in, in, in celebration. We wear the cross to say, everybody look at me. The United Methodist logo is a flaming cross. Everybody look at the cross. But back then, that's how they executed common criminals. That's like walking around today with a gas chamber emblem on your neck or, or, or an electric chair on your neck or the gallows on your neck. This person that you said was kings of kings, we treated them like a common criminal. But they go to the tomb and they see these angels inside the tomb. They are radiant. They are arrayed in dazzling robes and they provide in their radiant some reassurance. They comfort the frightened women and remind them about his crucifixion and his resurrection. That he would be betrayed and crucified. And he would rise again on the third day. Sometimes we have to be reminded of what God has told us. Sometimes we have to be reminded that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine. Sometimes we have to be reminded that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Sometimes we can be reminded that we are the head and not the tail. And so they went there trying to go about things as normal and the angels reminded them. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? These angelic figures said this to the tops of women's heads. Uh, we are sometimes guilty of some fruitless speech. Uh, we too tend to want the corpse of long dead ideas and people we want to hold on to. We want to hold on to former visions of ourselves and former visions of our friends and former visions of our churches. And we think that if we hold on to them long enough, that they're going to come back from the dead. Uh, we grasp our loved ones too tightly, 
refusing to allow them to change, to become bigger or smarter or stronger. We choose to stay with what we know in our hearts to be dead because it is safe, malleable, and susceptible to burnishing through some private memory. The words of these unworldly messengers uh, are a challenge to us. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead at your home? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead in your children? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your spouse? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your job? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead with your church? I read a pretty troubling article uh, this yesterday. The fastest growing group in religion are the nuns, not the N-U-N-S, the N-O-N-E-S. They go away from any kind of organized religion. They don't have a problem with God. They are fine with that. They believe in some sort of creator. They believe that there is an all power. Some of them even believe in Jesus. They just don't want nothing to do with the church. The number of people who are not affiliated with any kind of church has doubled in the last 20 years. Doubled. The mission field is out there, not in here. The mission field is when we hit out the door. We ought to be able to tell those about Jesus that hung, bled, and died for our sins and rose again for on the third day. The mission field is out there. Not in here where we say, oh, we've been around for 200 years. We've been around for 250 years. We've been around forever. Everybody know about XYZ Church. Everybody does not know about XYZ Church. We we have become a place where it was a moral authority. Uh, Well, first we were the authority and people went to church because they had to go to church. Uh, Well, no, before that they went out of obligation rather. Then they went because they were the authority and there were people that, that grew up in the church went away from the church, then decided they wanted to come back because they wanted their children to have the same experiences they had. They wanted to hear about uh, the different foundations and, and vacation Bible school and summer camp. But then those kids grew up and they got stuff to do on Sunday. When I played peewee football, we played games on Saturday. Super Bowl was on Sunday. The, the peewee football championship. Now everything's on Sunday. And we're holding on to the old idea of church, thinking that if we hold on to the old idea of church just a little while longer, all those people who went away will come back. Let me know how that works out for you. 
Why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? We should understand that Jesus is everywhere. I hear people complaining about taking prayer out of school. That's okay. That's cool. That's, that's, you know, that's something to complain about. But if you put Jesus in your child, If you put Jesus in your child, it don't matter whether or not they pray in school or not. Because Jesus can burst out wherever he chooses. Uh, They said last week in the Palm Sunday reading when the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, literally meaning save us now. They said, rebuke those people from praising you. Ah, but Jesus said, I, if they keep silent, the rocks will cry out. And I don't want no rocks crying out for me. Hanging on to that old thinking, why do we seek the living amongst the dead? And there is an account concerning the tomb. You have the messengers that are involved. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others. Still women. And while I'm on this, I might as well just step on the toes all the way. Oh, we got kids in here. Mary Magdalene was not a working girl. I've been saying it year after year after year. I'll give you my check. You find the actual scripture that calls her that. And nobody got my check yet. She was not a working girl. But we put that on some people because some of us have a problem Dare I say even an issue with women having an important role in this religion thing. Why are you speaking, seeking the living amongst the dead? I mean, I could spend some time going to Romans talking about Priscilla and Aquila, the husband and wife team, but we on Easter. But just you, if, if you can't tell where I stand on the issue of women preachers, I might, we can have a meeting afterwards and I'll let you know a little more in, in depth. Uh, But Mary Magdalene is not one of those. And and the very familiarity of the scene uh, hinders our attention. We go right to early. One Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And because we go right to that, sometimes we miss what was going on in the text. Why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? And they tell the disciples what they saw, and most of them ignore it. But Peter goes on to see for himself, and he goes to the tomb. Uh, He investigates the report. Sometimes the story is a little too weird to be taken seriously. And sometimes the tellers of the story are weirder yet, in which case we dismiss them. Uh, When you are being treated like a second-class citizen, when you go to try to tell somebody that the Messiah's prophecy has been fulfilled, they may not take 
you seriously. When you take a second-class citizen and you, they try to tell you that the Savior is risen and the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty, that sounds like foolishness. However, in our story, the testimony was eventually believed. Had it not been believed, we'd not all be here. Peter and an unnamed other disciple became curious and they went to see. And Peter saw linen cloths only. These were close enough of these things to inspire amazement. Uh, And amazement is often the first response to a testimony. And thanks to these first day witnesses, there came later sets of witnesses, namely members of the community that kept the story alive enough for Luke to stitch together the story and tell it. Our reading and our hearing of their story is not just to document what happened, but it's to move us. Uh, There should be an action in response to God's word, whether you are a Mary or a Johanna or you are unnamed. Thanks to them, though, uh, centuries later, uh, the preacher who was not there to see has now also seen. And 20 centuries later, the preacher who has not seen has also had a time to see. And even though nothing was proven by it, you can still be amazed and tell others. Uh, So let's stop looking at the death and start looking for life. Let us follow Jesus as we seek to understand our own experiences about it. Because he rose, you can rise. Because he was resurrected, your life can be resurrected. Because he was resurrected, your mentality can be resurrected. Because he was resurrected, your family can be resurrected. Because he was resurrected, you can be. Because he died and rose from the dead, you can live. He's alive and seated at the right hand of God. And we also know that he is not a dead, but he is alive and he lives in us always. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freed me forever. And one day he's coming back. Oh, glorious day. How many of y'all serve a risen Savior? I serve a risen Savior. And I know he's in the world today. I know that he is living despite what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. And you ask me how I know he lives? He lives right in my heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook. 